You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. There was once a dream, you could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil! You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm gonna have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can find All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around. Grab your happiest thoughts and use the force to come to Neverland. This is a very special episode. You're going to hear me and Lost Boy Eric join with Dale Wentland from 19, Network 1901 rather, to discuss, of course, Star Wars The Last Jedi. This episode's going to have two halves to it. You're going to hear a very non-spoiler discussion before any of us saw the movie of what we might have expected from the film or what we were hoping to see in the film. Uh, Then we're going to take some time in the Neverland story time, and we're going to hear a great storybook of Star Wars The Force Awakens. But after we come back from that story time, we're going to discuss in detail The Last Jedi, what we thought of it, some of the nature of good and evil, the balance of the Force. We get some really great discussions which is really why I wanted to have Dale on the show. Uh, you got to check out his YouTube channel as well. He loves discussing stuff on Star Wars. He likes to think things. He likes to tick off some of the Star Wars fans. Uh, but he, I knew he would be fun to talk to. We had a great time. We probably could have talked a lot longer than we did. Uh, but it's all coming up on this episode. So, you know, without taking any time or further ado for any news, or even though, yeah, there was a Ready Player One trailer, I even saw a short tease for a Miles Morales animated Spider-Man straight-to-DVD movie, which the animation looks awful. Uh, but instead of really taking time to discuss that, let's just dive right in to our discussion of Star Wars The Last Jedi with myself, Lost Boy Eric, which, by the way, I'm your host, the Spider-Pan Jeremy, and we, of course, jailed, joined by Dale Wentland from Network 1901. To Disney and beyond. All right, so we're actually recording this before we see Star Wars The Last Jedi. That way we can get a perspective of what we think we might see, what we're kind of thinking, any potential theories out there. And if we're going to talk about theories, we got to have our old buddy Dale Wentland from Network yeah. 1901 because he's loves to think about Star Wars. <laughs> so. I do, and I love making up new Star Wars theories all the time, exactly. no matter how many fans get mad at them. <laughs> And usually they're they're at least interesting. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's just always thought, fun. It's just thought exercises. You know, 
Josh in my in my last video, Josh um, from the network was like, you know, you should be more confident. You don't have to explain to everybody that um, you just like to theory craft and that like, you know, like it's not serious. It's not for real. And I was like, um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I do need to say that for people because I think they because when you're presenting something, you want to say it matter of a fact, right? Like you mm -hmm. want to be like, so you don't need to always be like, I think and uh, maybe and but I felt like I should preface it because I, I sometimes speak in such strong language <laughs> that um, <clears throat> I think people just think that I'm like, yes, this is happening They're, you know. Uh, because my like my recent one like Dragon Ball Dragon Ball Super fans were su like got really mad on these Facebook groups because I said that um, Ray and Kylo are gonna go Super Saiyan Jedi and, <laughs> and I have like this video about it and it's one of those things where it's like all I do is connect the imagery together of what we're seeing in the trailer and and what we know of the Force and. And I come up with this like idea of the force well and all that stuff and how the reason why they're the strongest is because there's no Jedi or Sith or anything. So so they're like um, pulling all of the force between the two of them. Yeah. Any sort of like internal energy usually has like um like it still needs to be channeled. Right. You're still channeling the force. And um, so it has to ha be tapped from somewhere. It has to come from somewhere. So now that there are no Jedi and now that there are no Sith the these last Jedi are um, able to tap from the from the the Force well as I call it, and I just call anybody who uses the Force Jedi. So just relax. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> anybody who's getting mad about Kylo not being a Sith, I know, I know. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> one of the Knights of Ren. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're saying there's a chance that they could go above nine thousand. Exactly. And I see it. That's exactly right. And that's what I said, too. Right. Like their power level is going to be well above 9000. And the it, I don't know, I just recommend just as my shameless plug, go check out the video and, and leave a comment and your opinion down, because I, I think I put the imagery pretty good there. Yeah. Well, one thing, though, that you leave out is Kylo Ren is not the only one of the Knights of Ren. And we get to briefly see them a little bit in The Force Awakens during the vision that Ray has. You do yeah. see there are others standing with him. So are they also mm -hmm. force sensitive? How about Snoke? He mm. could be force sensitive. We don't know. Well, I think the cool thing about this world is showing that there's people with force sensitivity that aren't Jedi. Right. And so <laughs> you get that with Poe Dameron. Like he's clearly force sensitive. Not only is there source material um, saying that he grew up tending a force tree that Luke oh, yeah. gave his mom. Um, the way he flies is tie fighter obviously shows he's force sensitive right <laughs> like, even his x-wing yeah. is amazing yeah yeah only him and little annie could fly that well so <laughs> um you know i think they they kind of point to that as well right like you know you have um maz kanada um, mm -hmm. as well another example of someone who uses the force but isn't a jedi and, right. and stuff and so there's no reason why these knights of ren can't just be like really crazy rad dudes who can f at least defend against lightsabers and deflect them and hold their own but they might not be you know doing force chokes and uh yeah. and things like that you know they even, might not even, have command of the force even if it is sort of yeah, with them like yeah. mas Kanata, or yeah. even there at the beginning of the force awakens that entire village is supposed to have been like the resurgence of a religion of the force uh yeah. and he, i don't know i don't, can't remember the character's name though who was an old friend of leia's you know who has the uh force part of the map yeah you know he's clearly yeah. understanding the force but he has no control of the force so well, there's yeah. definitely this level 
Well, let's not forget, uh, in Rogue One, we learned about the Guardians of the Wills. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Clearly Force-sensitive. Yeah. yeah. To some degree, the Force is, is somehow with them, but they don't necessarily seem to have command over it to where they can yeah. use it in that in the typical Jedi sense, but there's definitely well, a connection. It, well, they're one with the Force, and the Force is with them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, think I, I think I heard that before. Um <laughs> It's one of those things, too, where you're now giving um, a like a Star Wars explanation to why there are heroes um, and why we have this fantasy world in these fantasy settings. Uh, but it's because the force is in everything and it affects us. It's around us. It envelops us. It binds <laughs> right? so well together. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so you got your Han Solos who are, you know, and your, you, uh, uh, and your Lukes and you've got your Rays and you've got your, po- like your Poes and your Finns. Like we know fit. There's something within Finn. Like it, like it almost the force undid his brainwashing because yeah. why else do you pay so much attention to Kylo Ren noticing him? It, you know, ab- above, <laughs> yeah. above anything else, Kylo Ren noticing him was huge to, to notice him, to remember what um, stormtrooper he was to know that something happened to him. Right. That's what the whole, the, the cool thing about it is, is that it's showing us all this stuff and, you know, and uh, it's nice to see star Wars show stuff. Yeah, and Kylo Ren definitely has some abilities with mind reading and can sense more than just feelings. Like we got in like the original trilogy, you could sense the presence and stuff like that, and there was like feeling. But Kylo Ren can definitely get in your head, and he knew, yeah, from he could sense everything from Finn of knowing, well, this guy has broken out of his brain control, and you know, he he definitely has that good rapport, and when he really pours it on he can really dig into your mind and get into some stuff which you know yeah. there's there's usually like a specialty apparently with within forced users like ray seems to be one of the type that can sense things around with an object uh, as we see you, her with the has, lightsaber she, yeah she has weirdly enough anakin's uh abilities yes also being able to repair things and you know knowing mm-hmm. all that kind of thing which you know seems might be related <laughs> And pilot uh, pilot things that she shouldn't be able to pilot. There's no right. way she's been able to fly the Millennium Falcon the way she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you know, um, visions. Yeah, visions are also Anakin's. Anakin oh, yeah. used to get uh, visions as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. That, As did Luke. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But his visions were. Um, he had to be some. He had to be. He had to be somewhere special for his visions, didn't yeah. he? Oh, well, yeah, Uh, it seemed mainly that. uh, Yeah, yeah, so he didn't have them on his own, um, which is like a slightly different power. Well, he had to have them in Dagobah, didn't he? Yeah, right. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily on Dagobah, but he learned to be more mindful and more focused. But he was very still unfocused. He's very reckless. That's why I don't think he really got good at at the visions. Because, yeah. you know, his recklessness, and so I have a feeling his recklessness might, we might see some of that mm-hmm. carry over into how things have deteriorated for him when he tried to train Jedi on his own. His recklessness might have been part of the problem. Well, and to be fair, he's had about six hours on a Millennium Falcon of training, plus <laughs> the time he spent with da- with Yoda on Dagobah, right? So like, Yeah, when it's hard to really know, calculate yeah, how much like, time he was there with Yoda. Like, yeah, like... <laughs> Like two months and six hours worth of yeah. <laughs> I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for that standalone story where Ahsoka comes and trains him. That oh. would be awesome. 
<laughs> yeah, because you could fit it in there, because why wouldn't you? <laughs> that would be so awesome. I that would be see awesome. That's now. a good one. Oh, That's a good one. I like that. Somebody make it happen. Oh, I, um, I t- I'm totally in for this idea. One of the cool things about the last uh, Jedi trailer, in the trailer at least, what I see, and that whole drawing to, which is obviously some sort of school probably, uh, and the Knights of Ren and Luke, it's on fire and the Knights of Ren there. Mm -hmm. And I think... To be honest, I, I feel like that's what we'll—that's what we'll see when we see like Kylo Ren Sith rage. We'll see what the destruction he was able to cause, and the ruin he was able to cause because he'll need to have brought that out of himself to defeat Luke. Yeah, and um, that's where Ray is going to be like, "Oh well, I want that too. I need to go. I need to be able to go like Sith rage as well if I'm going to be able to defeat Kylo Ren." And um, yeah, so. I, like that's kind of where that all kind of came from for the Super Saiyan thing, right? Because it's like, it, it, but it's true. Like that's where it all kind of comes from, right? You still you get the physical transformation, um, where it which is the the eyes at least for Anakin it was. Yeah. Um, so you get physical transformation. You're obviously seeing um, the Force displayed through external energy now more so. You know, it's more of like. Um, it's kind of like this like with Luke training with Yoda, but it's more like the power is surging around her. And um, in that imagery, obviously, draws to Dragon Ball as well. And yeah. uh, and the stories take so much from Japanese storytelling and anime and things like that. And samurai that, helmets. <laughs> yeah, that it, it, would, it makes sense. And if you want to shock American audiences nowadays, just do Japanese story, like story tropes. Do like <laughs> just, and people will be like, Whoa, that was the most original thing I've ever saw. Like the hero went with the bad guy. And you're like, yeah, no, that happens all the time in Naruto. Sasuke does it with Orochimaru and, uh, you know, um, uh, Gohan did it with Piccolo. And so these things happen and, and it's so cool. And so I, that, that's, that's kind of more what my connection is, is it's more about this kind of storytelling that I see in this obsession I have with anime story, uh, Japanese storytelling. <laughs> well, of course that all does go back to, you know, some of George Lucas's, uh, inspiration, like the hidden fortress, uh, with a new hope. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not a madman. I just, <laughs> I just try. I just see these connections, and I, I figure if I was going to write it, that's what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is kind of what we're doing with the speculation here, because I still speculate. Although I have somebody, have someone has told me in some of the newer books that they seem to have indicated that Ben Solo was an only child, but I still think there's definitely a connection between Kylo Ren and Rey, and it, whether they're brother and sister or their cousins, I'm not entirely certain. I, I do think that perhaps when Kylo she's Ren... His, she's his aunt. She's his aunt? What? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because... And so... the, re- the My reason why I think that she's his aunt is because if Snoke... Um, or if Snoke used the same method that, say, Darth Plagueis or potentially um, Darth Sidious used in creating Anakin in Shmi, right? Because we don't know who Anakin's dad is, but he was created with the Force, and the only person we know who knows how to do that is Darth Plagueis. So um, what I think is that Rey was an attempt to recreate Anakin. That's why she has Anakin's same Force abilities. And so technically, 
that the user of that that method would be say Darth Plagueis of Anakin and then Darth say just Darth Plagueis for Rey just for sake of argument doesn't really matter who does it um that would technically make them him the father which would make Luke and Rey actually brother and sister which would be weird <laughs> But well, that's, it's that's only weird if they start idea. kissing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not like Luke hasn't never happened before. What, like, what, yeah, we've never seen a man have like really young kids and be super old and have like another family already. <laughs> like, you know, weird things happen in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, why not? So, but yeah, but there's definitely somewhere connected. And I, I, I did take note here watching The Force Awakens here just a, a little bit ago that I mean, there's definitely a moment when that there's a girl mentioned being on Jakku that Kylo Ren is upset by that. And, you know, he pulls yes. the guy over to yeah. him. He knows something about this. And I He's also... He's worried still... about a girl in particular. Yes. That's the thing. He that, knows that... something. And he I knows also he should take be worried note... about a girl. <laughs> when she... When they're... Also now, when they're on the Millennium Falcon and they're going to Dan Doran, or how do you say that, Dan Doran? <laughs> I don't know. But, but then when they're going to... And she says... I've never known there was this much green in the galaxy. There's like a remorse in Han Solo's eyes as if he knows somehow it's his fault. She's never seen the green, which makes Mm -hmm. me think he knows that's his daughter, but he really can't say anything because they hid her away. Luke did something to wipe her memories of everything to protect her from her brother. But her brother still had an idea that she was on Jakku. So that's still a possibility. uh, And and also, would that, does that explain? Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say also um, when, uh, Ray returns back to um, the the Resistance base. Who's the first person she sees? It's Leia. Uh-huh. And what does Leia do? She her gives first. her a hug. Yeah. Well, how does Leia know Ray? Hmm. I, I think she knows that's her daughter because they even kind of look alike. Obviously, they they know you know that they were going to go rescue her, but you know, what's the connection there? Yeah, well, I guess, I guess at this the, point, the, they had never actually yeah. had met each other, had they? Like, this is the no, first time they yeah. see each other in the film. The connection, I guess, could be. Well, yeah, I don't know. The, the only the only reason why I have a tough time with this, but and so maybe it will explain it. But I I hear what you're saying, and it does make sense that that could be. You know, they have an like a kid who's ten years older than their kid or eight years older than their kid. He's now a psycho murderer. So you put your young, you're like, oh, let's hide our young kid. I, I yeah. get it. The only thing, though, is that then why is the Millennium Falcon there? And why didn't Han Solo know to look for it? And I guess you could say he was avoiding it because he knew his daughter was there. But that seems unlikely. Um, if anything, you would probably like just want to go see her and like, you know, no, like you, you could see her secretly if you wanted to. Um, especially if you're, you know, no one's following you and your wife, you, you and your wife aren't together. Yeah. Um, Perhaps which I guess could have, simply the will of, of the force to have his ship on that planet with his daughter, with him not even knowing it because it got stolen from him from one person and another person stole it and another person stole it and eventually it lands on Jakku okay, with the daughter yeah. because it's the will of the force. We actually, we only know that. So <laughs> the whole, um, we stole the Millennium Falcon. We only know that story from, because of Ray. And so we believe her because of she knows who the last person who had it was. Yeah. <laughs> and she, right? And so that gives her validity in her story. But there's nothing to say that the person who brought Ray to Jakku didn't give the Millennium Falcon as payment to keep Ray safe. Hmm, that's interesting. Well, that it would explain its presence being there more than anything. And if you were trying to hide from a psycho murderer who could go like Super Saiyan, 
wouldn't you grab the fastest ship in the galaxy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the one, like the one that people can't detect. Um, yeah. That, yeah, like that undetectable fast ship. Yeah, I'd go steal that one. And then yeah, no one would find would, me. Because well, Luke Skywalker, so my, my whole thing is Luke Skywalker took it um, to save Rey, left it there as payment, and then peaced out. And that's why no one could find him, right? It's just, like they, they couldn't find two things, the Millennium Falcon and Luke Skywalker. Hmm. And they are connected to Ray somehow, right? Like, like, I like that's how you get Luke um, away from the situation that he was in. Like, why wouldn't they hunt down Luke? Why wouldn't? Why aren't they trying to kill Luke? Um, why is the why is why is there this mystery of where he's going? He tried to hide his tracks, so he went to a planet that no one thinks about. Gave payment to this thing. There's a story that it got stolen from somebody who got stolen from somebody. He could have stole it from the person who stole it the first time. We don't know. He's a Jedi. Yeah. And that's how you get the Millennium Falcon there. That's how it's connected to Rey. You know, just because Luke saves her doesn't mean that's his daughter. He just saved this this Force-sensitive girl. Could be anybody. Yeah. Could be his niece. And I've also found interesting. Could be Obi-Wan's granddaughter. <laughs> Not likely. <laughs> or but, his uh, aunt. <laughs> but uh, I noticed something this time. Like when Kylo Ren is trying to get into her mind, he says, you've imagined water, an ocean with an island, which sounds exactly like where Luke has been hiding out oh, on an too. island on yeah. this ocean. Yeah. Somehow or another, she knows about this, either through a vision or she's been there with Luke. Yeah. Do you think we're going to see the forest tree there? I hope we do. I really do. And, yeah, I, I, think and so. I don't know how if they can if they can tie the Mortis trilogy into this, although I, you'd really have to try to explain it, though, if you go too far for anyone who didn't bother to watch the Clone Wars series. But there's yeah. a possibility of a, of a semblance of that coming up in this movie, you know, because you could have, you know, Kylo Ren being the the new epitome of the dark side, while Rey is the new epitome of the light side and a brother and sister that were in the part of the Mortis trilogy. And they together bring balance to the force because it almost would seem like. You know, you've got, of course, you've got the the resistance and the first order, but it seems like there might be something more and deeper going on with the Force. That is a whole yeah. other story going on here. Because this that, is, yeah, and when we see yeah, this, this that last shot, force. yeah, and, and you've had with Kylo hand, putting his and, hand out to Ray, and you know that yeah. that says something. There's going yeah. something's going on, and maybe the two of them together actually have to do something that will save the galaxy in a completely way we'd not expect. Well, in in um, Rebels, you introduced the Bendu, right? Like, so mm-hmm. it's it, you're you are trying to show that the Force is everywhere, and it's more complicated than we've ever imagined. That's like mm-hmm. everything they've ever been doing in this new Star Wars canon is like the Force can is crazy and can do anything, and anybody has it. And and, and like, there's these neutral creatures, and like they only care about the neutrality of the Force, and and um, it really makes you think how stupid are Jedi. <laughs> Like they probably should have went to normal school too, to like not read a prophecy that says that um, the chosen one will bring balance to the force and not be like, wait a minute, the balance is imbalanced on the light side, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I always thought yeah, that's like, like arrogance. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Adoy. <laughs> it's like uh, in order to bring balance, you have to have the dark side come up. But unfortunately, he overdid it to where the dark side was now ruling the galaxy, so the light side had to come back, and uh, it's back and forth. And yeah. <laughs> So I think this could be the beginning of where they do have to strike a balance somewhere uh, at the beginning of this. And so, you know, that might be what maybe Luke sort of understands this. And that's why he says it's time for the Jedi to end. 
which uh, I we definitely can't confirm because Ryan Johnson did say that yeah he meant the last Jedi to be Luke and in fact even in the Force Awakens in the opening crawl it mentions Luke Skywalker comma the last Jedi comma uh, and they even refer to him and say we must destroy the last Jedi when we find Luke it's like oh so, uh, who who's the first Jedi then. <laughs> that would be interesting because you know Luke was supposed to have been go- looking for the first Jedi temple maybe we'll learn that yeah that makes sense so I also think that little interesting side thing I think we talked about it on your show last time maybe Might that um, because of the force tree and everything the on the island or somewhere on the island we're going to have stronger access to force ghosts and mm. Ray might be able to get a little avatar the last airbender training happening and she trains from past Jedis, like Qui-Gon, <laughs> Obi-Wan, Yoda, Anakin. And that's why you've seen Hayden Christensen being mentioned in um, the news and stuff like that. And, and kind of coming up and doing small interviews and things and kind of being talked about. And people are like, oh, he wasn't he nice, though, guys. And um, because because of the changes in the DVD, Hayden Christensen is the Force Ghost version. So you would need him to have a force ghost help give advice and train to Ray. And I feel like that part of that too is going to lead to Kylo Ren's um, jealousy arc. Um, mm, yeah. Where he's going to be jealous that Anakin appeared to her and didn't appear to him. Yeah. And that Snoke is interested in her getting her on their side and like, well, why not just me, daddy? Am I not enough? <laughs> Well, and the know, interesting that's gonna, thing that's gonna play to, that's gonna play to the jealousy arc, and then I you know I kind of think that Kylo Ren's gonna try to manipulate her, but not like not for his own for like his own purposes because he's jealous. Yeah, I actually some of the theories that I I was talking to some people on Facebook, and I I created a Google document. Uh, and, and I said, hey, write down some of the stuff that you've noticed, like in the books, and they have noted on here that. It seems almost like Kylo Ren seems to think he hears from his grandfather, and he talks to Darth Vader's helmet, which who knows how he managed to get that. And apparently those ashes there that you see him drop his own helmet in are Vader's ashes. And so he he tries to commune with Darth Vader, but yet he's not actually exactly. able to do it. Yes, that's where – and I think that's where you get, you'll get you get that jealousy part of the right. beginning because mm-hmm. Kylo Ren doesn't have jealousy yet. Yeah, but he, what – He just has anger. What if Snoke has been actually using that and been kind of helping as Snoke has seduced him to the dark side? Maybe Snoke has been speaking to him, pretending to be Darth Vader. So maybe he's been hearing all of Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah, kind of like that. (laughs) But that's actually what somebody wrote on here, and I was like, "Well, that's That's an interesting thought." That's super funny. So you know, I I do want to say one great thing about uh, Anakin if he is in fact a force ghost in this. Uh, you know, great thing about him being on an island, we know already that the sand is not going to bother him. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the jagged rocks, though, might be rough. <laughs> okay, uh, any so other you, things you, we want to dive into before we come back after we see the movie? Hmm. Like yeah, any, I, I, any overall theories? Something the trailer has shown you that makes you think of something? I can't think of anything. I've just got my my hopes. I hope that there's still a glimmer of uh, the rebel hero Luke Skywalker. Yeah, that's there. Um, I, I 
of course, 30 years have passed um, in this timeline. We don't know what all Luke has been doing. We don't know how powerful he's become. But uh, you know what? There, there's gonna, I think there's going to be a lot of disappointment out there if you know, we don't recognize some part of Luke. Yeah. He's somehow, somehow still got to be our hero from the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. He's got to come back. You know, Ray can bring him back to, you know, get him back into things. Uh, the other interesting question that they've, they've sort of brought up in the trailer, they almost make it look like one of Kylo Ren's missions in life is to now kill his mother so he can totally be free from his family. And they almost make it set up to where it looks like he's going to blow up the ship she's on. And that would be a convenient way to deal with the fact that you no longer have Carrie Fisher around. Do you think they'll actually do that? Um, yeah. yeah, maybe. Yeah, I guess they're probably prepping us for it, like maybe yeah. because they didn't want people to be too shocked when it happened in the movie, maybe. Yeah. Well, you know, I've I've my personal theory has been, yeah, as far as our legacy characters have gone, uh, The Force Awakens was about Han Solo. The Last Jedi is about Luke Skywalker. And the plan was for Episode nine to be about Leia. Hmm. And, you know, I would hate to think that um, they're just going to destroy her ship as a way to remove her from the saga. I think, um, you know, certainly we can't move forward without Carrie Fisher, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's going to be interesting. I don't think that that's, I don't think this is going to end the way you think it will. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that before too. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One thing is definite. I'm I'm very interested to see. It looks like Finn is going to be doing some undercover work inside the, uh, uh, the First Order, culminating mm-hmm. in a big fight with Captain Phasma. I'm very excited to see how that's going to play out. Looks like Poe Dameron has a mission of his own where he thinks he can end the First Order. So there seems to be multiple stories all going to come together in this film. So I'm very excited and, and, to see how they all come together. And I want to see how Rose fits into all of this. Yeah, we don't know much about her at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah you know, it's pretty... I think that it, I don't know if they'll spend too much time on their on her backstory. I think there's a lot of movie to fill in here already. Oh yeah. So I think you know you're just gonna have like a she's our chop person working Mechanic. there. Yeah, yeah <laughs> like you know, <laughs> like she's got it on lockdown. You need her to help you be spy. <laughs> you know. Yep. But, but we've got some great like, uh, you yeah. know what could potentially be some great new characters you know, with her with Vice Admiral Holdo and with DJ. And yeah, Porgs. Yeah. <laughs> and the Porgs. And Crystal Foxes for some reasons. Oh, those are Wolfpacks. cool looking. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of cool looking things. I yeah. like, I don't really I, I don't I, I I don't know. I, I like I, I like porgs and things. They're like whatever. It's cute and and stuff. I like. I'm not hating on porgs. I just don't. I don't know. I, I I try not to connect to things before. I don't even know. Uh, who knows if I like porgs or not? But uh, since we've gone on like a half an hour here, we'll take a quick break and listen to the storybook of the Force Awakens. And when you hear us again, uh, be prepared for potential spoilers because we're going to talk about what we thought about the Last Jedi. This is your Neverland story time. You can listen along with your MP3 device. You will know it is time to listen when you hear the chime like this. Let's begin now. 
A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, there was a scavenger, a soldier, and a lost droid. This is the story of Star Wars, The Force Awakens. You can read along with me in your book. You'll know it's time to turn the page when you hear this sound. Let's begin now. Poe Dameron was on a mission. The Resistance had sent the pilot and his trusty droid, BB-8, to recover a map that would help the group find Luke Skywalker. Luke was a powerful Jedi Knight, known for defeating the evil Empire. But Luke had disappeared many years before. A new enemy, the First Order, threatened to destroy peace in the galaxy, and the Resistance needed Luke once more. Poe and BB-8's mission took them to a small village on the sandy planet of Jakku. There, Lore Santeca, an old friend of Luke's, gave the map to Poe. But moments later, First Order stormtroopers attacked the village. On my command, fire. Poe and BB-8 fled to their ship, but it was quickly destroyed by the stormtroopers. Poe knew he had to get the map to safety. He gave it to BB-8 and ran back to help Lore. But someone else had reached the old man first. Kylo Ren, a vicious warrior for the First Order, held Lore captive. You know what I've come for. Poe fired at Kylo, but it was no use. Kylo used the Force to deflect Poe's blasts and quickly captured the Resistance pilot. Kylo, Poe, and the stormtroopers returned to the First Order Star Destroyer orbiting Jakku. The soldiers went back to their barracks, all except one stormtrooper named FN-2187. That battle had been his first, and he hoped it would be his last. He felt terrible about the attack, and had only pretended to fire his blaster at the villagers on Jakku. Suddenly, the stormtrooper heard a voice behind him. FN-2187. Submit your blaster for inspection. It was his commanding officer, Captain Phasma. She suspected that FN-2187 had failed to fire on anyone in the village, but she wanted to prove it. FN-2187 was ready to leave the First Order, but he'd need a pilot to help him escape. Fortunately, he knew just where to find one. Meanwhile, on Jakku, a scavenger named Ray was searching through a crashed starship for spare parts. She was looking for anything she could use or trade for food nearby at Nima Outpost. It was a hard life, but it was the only one Ray had ever known. All that changed, however, when she came across a little round droid. The droid was lost and refused to leave her side. On board the Star Destroyer, FN-2187 had freed Poe, but they still needed to get off the ship. The trooper asked the pilot if he could fly a Special Forces TIE fighter. I can fly anything. Together, FN-2187 and Poe stole one of the enemy ships and escaped into space. I always wanted to fly one of these things. 
I'm Poe, Poe Dameron. Poe asked if he could call the soldier Finn instead, and the former stormtrooper happily agreed. Poe told Finn that they needed to head back to Jakku and find his droid BB-8, but Finn protested. We go back to Jakku, we die. But there was no time to argue. A blast from the Star Destroyer suddenly rocked their ship. Poe looked over at Finn in the gunner's seat. Now would be a good time to start shooting. But it was too late. Alarms rang as their TIE fighter plummeted toward the sandy planet below. Finn managed to eject before the ship hit the ground. But the only sign of Poe was his jacket. Finn grabbed the jacket and shed his stormtrooper armor before heading across the hot desert. He needed to find help. After wandering for hours, Finn finally found an outpost. He was shocked when he saw the droid Poe had described. BB-8 was still at Ray's side. Finn did his best to tell Ray everything about BB-8's mission for the Resistance, but it was a complicated story. Listen, I've had a pretty messed up day. And the day was about to get worse. A team of stormtroopers was searching the outpost for the lost droid. Finn, Ray, and BB-8 looked for somewhere to hide, but the stormtroopers had already spotted them. Ray knew they couldn't escape the stormtroopers on foot, but they might be able to in a ship. She led them toward the shipyard, and they hopped aboard an old Carillion light freighter that hadn't been flown in years. Ray fired up the engines and took off, while Finn hurried to the gunner's seat. Two TIE fighters flew down and fired on them. Finn took aim and fired back. Ray heard his blaster bolts strike a direct hit. But Finn saw that the TIE fighters were still close behind them. We need cover! Ray banked hard and turned the ship toward the fields of wreckage out in the desert. Finn shot down one of the TIEs. Then Ray flew right through the inside of a crashed Star Destroyer, catching the other TIE off guard. Finn fired and the enemy ship exploded in a shower of sparks. Ray quickly flew into space, breathing a sigh of relief. Now they could get BB-8 and the map back to the Resistance. But even though they had escaped the First Order, there were other dangers lurking. As Ray and Finn were planning what to do next, their ship suddenly lost power. Someone's locked onto us. All controls have been overridden. A massive cargo hauler loomed above their ship, pulling them into its docking bay. Finn, Ray, and BB-8 hid, listening as two strangers boarded the ship. The newcomers immediately began looking through the ship and within moments found the trio's hiding place. To Finn and Ray's surprise, the two figures were an old man and a Wookiee. Joey, we're home. The man introduced himself as Han Solo and explained that the ship, the Millennium Falcon, was his. Ray recognized his name at once. Han was one of the heroes who had helped Luke Skywalker defeat the Empire. Since that time, Han and Chewbacca had been involved in some decidedly less heroic jobs. Even as Han was talking to Ray and Finn, two rival gangs boarded the cargo ship and demanded payment for one of Han's failed missions. 
Han, Chewie, and their three new friends escape to the Millennium Falcon and jump to light speed. Hang on back there! Safe again for the moment, Ray explained that BB-8 had a map that would help lead the Resistance to Luke Skywalker. This droid has to get to the Resistance base as soon as possible. Then BB-8 projected the map he had been protecting. Upon hearing the name of his old friend, Han agreed to help. Han thought his friend Maz might be able to help too. They flew to the lush planet of Takodana, where Maz's castle provided refuge for every human and alien in that corner of the galaxy. Maz sized each of them up, finally turning to Ray. The short alien asked about Ray's past and gazed up at her with big, questioning eyes. Ray shifted uncomfortably. I'm no one. I'm just a scavenger. Maz disagreed. She suggested that Ray was in tune with the Force, but the girl didn't believe her. Ray fled the castle. She wanted to find somewhere she could be alone. But even Maz's castle wasn't safe from the First Order. A spy among Maz's guests had called down troops to attack. Han, Chewie, and Finn did their best to fight off the First Order stormtroopers. Maz had given Finn a lightsaber, which he used to clear his way through the battle. He had to find Rey. It was too late, though. Kylo Ren had found Rey first. She fired at him, but her blaster was no match for Kylo's lightsaber. Kylo captured her and took her back to his shuttle. Han, Finn, and the others were able to escape only after a squad of resistance ships appeared in the sky. They had finally been able to track down BB-8's homing signal and had arrived to help. The resistance forces, led by General Leia Organa, escorted the Millennium Falcon safely back to their base. Once there, Finn was surprised to see a familiar face, Poe Dameron's. The pilot had survived the crash on Jakku and was once again flying for the Resistance. BB-8 beeped with joy as he reunited with Poe. The Resistance had learned that the First Order completed work on a massive weapon called the Star Killer that could destroy entire star systems. The First Order had already used the planet-sized weapon to obliterate the New Republic capital. The Resistance was the only force left to stop the evil group. After the Battle of Takodana, Kylo took Rey to the frozen planet that housed the Star Killer. There, he questioned her, trying to learn any information she might be hiding. Is it true? You're just a scavenger. Ray was surprised to hear the echo of her own words in Kylo's question. As she looked into the villain's eyes, she sensed a connection between them. It was almost as if she could see into his mind. Suddenly, Ray was flooded with images and emotions. She could see Kylo's anger and hurt and fear. Kylo pulled back. He couldn't believe it. Was she using the Force? One thing was clear. Ray was more than just a scavenger. Meanwhile, the Resistance was planning its attack on the Starkiller base. Han, Chewie, and Finn would land on the enemy base and take down its shields from the inside. 
Then, Poe and his team of pilots could fly in and destroy the crucial part of the weapon that kept it from overheating. The Star Killer would explode in a massive power overload. Finn also hoped he could find Rey and rescue her from Kylo Ren. Poe wished Finn luck, then hopped into his X-Wing and took off. All teams, altitude confirmed. Hold for jump to light speed on my go. Alone in her cell, Rey was still recovering from the strange experience of looking into Kylo's mind. She felt different and powerful. She wondered if she could do it again. Rey called to the guard in her cell and ordered him to remove her restraints. To her surprise, he did. Rey ran from the cell and quietly scaled the walls of the base, searching for a way to escape. Han, Chewie, and Finn had just landed on the Starkiller base. They could see a great beam extending into the sky, drawing in power from a nearby star. Once the star was extinguished, the weapon would be ready to fire. They had to destroy the Starkiller before that happened. They fought their way deep into the Starkiller base. First Order forces were everywhere, and time was running out. Finn spotted Captain Phasma. His old commander would know exactly how to get to the shields. Chewie grabbed the unsuspecting captain. When Phasma saw Fen, she tried to call him by his old identification code. Fen corrected her. The name's Finn, and I'm in charge now. Phasma had no choice. She led him to the shield's controls and disabled them. Poe and his pilots circled high above the Star Killer base. Red Squad, Blue Squad, take my lead. The First Order's fleet was firing at them. Poe dodged blast after blast, taking his squad around for another attack run. Then he received the message he had been waiting for. The Star Killer's shields were down. Poe smiled. All right, let's light it up! But as the X-Wings fired, the Resistance pilots discovered that there was still a dense wall between them and the weapon's cooling device. From the Starkiller base, Finn saw the X-Wings attacking. He realized they had to take the wall down. But as soon as they did, it would be only a matter of time until the base exploded. Fortunately, Rey ran right into them. Together, Han, Chewie, Finn, and Rey sprinted toward the cooling device. Han and Chewie planted explosives, while Ray and Finn kept watch for stormtroopers. But it wasn't stormtroopers who found them. It was Kylo Ren. He was searching the area for resistance forces when Han saw him approaching. Instead of raising his blaster, Han stepped out of the shadows and called out to Kylo. Kylo spun around and looked at Han. I've been waiting for this day for a long time. So had Han. Ever since Kylo had fallen to the dark side of the Force, Han had been waiting for his son to return to him. Now, the Star Killer was about to be destroyed, and Han reached out to Kylo one last time, begging him to come home. But Kylo would not listen. He ignited his lightsaber and silenced his father forever. Chewie cried out in horror, but he still had a mission to complete. He managed to set off the explosives, but a squad of stormtroopers separated him from Finn and Rey. 
Finn and Ray ran through the twisting hallways of the Star Killer base. They felt the planet rock beneath their feet as Poe fired on the weakened cooling device, destroying it once and for all. Now they just had to get back to their ship. But when they reached the edge of the base, Kylo Ren was waiting for them. Finn drew the lightsaber Maz had given him. Kylo sneered. That weapon is mine. Come get it. Finn used every ounce of his training to fight Kylo, but it wasn't enough. Only someone with a strong connection to the Force could defeat such a warrior. With a mighty blow, Kylo knocked Finn to the ground, wounding him. Kylo used the Force to pull Finn's lightsaber from his grip. The weapon flew toward Kylo and then sped right past him and into Rey's waiting hand. She ignited the weapon and charged at Kylo. Rey's blue lightsaber clashed against the burning red of Kylo's. Anger filled her as she struck blow after blow against the man who had hurt her friends. She could feel the force within her surging with power. Kylo hit the ground as Rey's lightsaber cut across his face. Rey realized she could end everything. She could destroy Kylo for good. Suddenly, the Star Killer base rumbled beneath their feet. A great gulf opened between them as the planet began to tear itself apart. Kylo was beyond her reach, but she had defeated him for now. Rey knelt beside Finn as stormtroopers arrived and helped the injured Kylo to a shuttle. Chewie picked up Ray and Finn in the Falcon. Ray took the pilot seat at the Wookiee side, and together they set course for the Resistance base. Behind them, the planet collapsed in a burst of light and heat. The Resistance had destroyed the weapon once and for all. Back at the Resistance base, Ray still had a long journey ahead of her. The First Order had been crippled but not defeated. Kylo and his soldiers would return. The Resistance knew that Rey needed to be taught the ways of the Force and that only Luke Skywalker could train her. Carrying BB-8's precious map and the lightsaber Maz had given Finn, Rey said goodbye to Leia and boarded the Millennium Falcon alongside Chewbacca and R2-D2. They were off to find the lost Jedi. When the Millennium Falcon reached Octo, an old man was waiting for Rey. Luke Skywalker was strong in the Force and had sensed her arrival. Rey handed the Jedi Master the lightsaber. It was his, after all. Rey didn't know what the future held, but she was sure that her adventures were only just beginning. Stuff like you would never see. Maybe a movie. Yeah, we're gonna be a movie. Starring everybody and me. Boy, I wish I were you people seeing this for the first time. Kermit, I got a great picture of the chicken. Oh, good. Alrighty, so 
you have officially been warned, but let me give you the warning again. We are about to review Star Wars The Last Jedi, talk about what we liked about the film, and we're probably going to spoil something for you. So if you have not seen the film yet, pause this episode until you get a chance to go see it. In fact, go out immediately and see it right now. Uh, Or skip down to your next episode and come back to it. Either way, don't listen to this if you don't want to possibly be spoiled on anything of The Last Jedi, because there was so much that happens, we're going to mention it. It's going to happen. So, without further ado, welcoming back, of course, Dale and Eric. Now, it's been a few days since our last conversation, and we've all seen this movie, and I bet some of us have seen it more than once. Who's uh, seen it more I can than only once? wish. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, uh, I've i only seen it once as well. Shannon from Network 19 has seen it a couple times. She's going to see it again for a third time. She loves wow. it. Um, oh, yes. Uh, yeah, you know, I just finished, actually, just, we were... Um, our episode, our Monday episode of the DCC, which is, is going to be what Monday the eighteenth. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to be doing a full uh, Force Awakens spoiler conversation about it too. So, um, if any of the listeners want to join us over there, that would be great as well. So you're going to spoil the first Force Awakens and then spoil the Last Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Which anyone listen to this show, we've just spoiled The Force Awakens because we just played the storybook for you. But by now, I'm figuring everybody has seen it. It's been a couple of years, so. If you haven't seen mm-hmm. it by now, then uh, okay, I don't know what you were waiting for. Although I have a stepbrother who hasn't seen it yet, and I'm gonna I'm gonna correct that, but he's not a big Star Wars guy. I need to work on him. Well, I'll tell you, the Last Jedi definitely does need at least repeat viewings. Oh yes, there's so much happening in this movie, and a lot of stuff that I found completely unexpected. Unexpected delight is pretty much what you could call this movie. Stuff you didn't think was going to happen happens, and you're like, "This was the coolest idea ever to have this happen." <laughs> That's pretty much so, reaction. So, what are your so what? Just your both your feelings are super positive on the movie. Yes, I really, really enjoy this. I even enjoy the fact that that we got to. I think this is the first one of these movies where we got to see this much development in animals on various planets and they actually had significant <laughs> roles to play that actually had, had yes yeah the support before we were just there for comic relief but you know mm-hmm. the crystal wolves served a role in the story the five airs i don't know how you pronounce those actually served a part in the story uh which I mean, that's very unique i don't think you know we've had some animals kind of in the background or whatever in star wars films but this yeah. is the first time i think that they were really significant to the story I was impressed by that. That was that was a new way to look at things. Uh, I, I think it was great to have all of these animals. I'm not entirely sure that I needed to know where green milk comes from, but uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I I have to agree. I really 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 uh, enjoyed this movie. Got a lot of positive vibes for me personally. I feel that this is the most Star Wars ish movie since A New Hope. Wow! Yeah. Or since the original trilogy, because I still love Empire and Return of the Jedi as well, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, I like the movie. Um, I think there are some uh, major flaws in it, not from a Star Wars standpoint, from from actual filmmaking standpoint. And it really bothered me, uh, making me concerned about Ryan Johnson's ability to direct such a large film. I think that if you if anyone sitting around in the studios watching the movie didn't think that the Princess Leia scene was awkward and looked strange. Um, I have some concerns. Because which, which which one? The one scenes? with her floating through space. Ah, where, oh, um, I thought that was awesome. I loved it. 
you might like what you might like the action sure you might like the action it doesn't look good though it looks weird um the, the there you could have achieved the exact same thing and just shortened it made her closer to the door um had her start to move and then just show her coming in I didn't need to see her weirdly float rigidly through space. It just looks visually strange. Um, and it just, that, that, that kind of bothered me. I like the humor in the movie, but I feel like there were some bad jokes that don't work very well. I think the Chrome Dome comment doesn't make sense coming from Finn. I think Finn should be much more emotionally distraught. This is her slave, her, her slaver that he's fighting. Um, this is his slaver that he's fighting. Uh, and so like that kind of bothered like I just I, th- I felt like some of the, the humor didn't work, even though I love the Hux and Poe humor and I love some of the other humor. I think there was a quantity quality issue there. Um, I think it was weird that every bad guy gets like super buffed and, and then super deflated. Like I th- like they Hux is like, oh, Phasma, she's so great, blah, 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 blah. And then it's dead. Um, yeah, oh, that's kind of what Phasma like, was in the first film, too, though. Yeah. It's like, oh, we were hearing yeah. all this buildup for Phasma yeah. and they they take her captive pretty quickly. And it was pretty similar. It's like she didn't show up until, you know, the second half of the movie. We finally see her mainly just to, to fight with Finn. And uh, it was a heck of a good fight, though. The one was, question I would have on seven that, distinct, though? Seven distinct battles, which was crazy, right? Oh, my seven goodness. Seven completely separate distinct battles, which is... Yeah, and, in, and different stories and going the, with each one was really and cool. The, and the X-Wing taking down the Dreadnought was awesome. Oh, um, yeah. Just continuing to prove that he's Force-sensitive. Um, <laughs> which, 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 you know what? I think good job on us. Uh, in the Previously, we were talking about how the new trilogy leads more towards that everyone like the force is everywhere and it's more about the force being everywhere and talk about the last Jedi really hitting home our comments there because yeah. that's what the whole film is about is that it doesn't, you know, the force is, is everywhere. Everyone has it. Right. But uh, taking right back to the, the phasma thing though, uh, what I, one thing I'd have to question is you see that uh, Rose fires a shot right into phasma's armor and just boing, it reflects off. Why wouldn't you put that armor on all of oh, your stormtroopers? Storm <laughs> why can because sticks? Why do sticks beat up stormtroopers? Why? Why do they even wear armor? These are good. Maybe questions. chrome's expensive. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. And I did I wasn't bothered so much by the chrome dome because we kind of got to see Finn's turnaround post brainwashing in the first film. It was like I'm in charge, Phasma. I'm in charge. Where he's got that, ha ha! I'm I'm boss over you now. And so him just hey, ah, chrome dome. Just throwing an insult at her in some fashion just seemed to fit his attitude of like, ha ha, I am a better than you and I'm going to take you down. It fit. It was a little childish, a little goofy, but it worked in its own way. I loved Yoda. I thought like at first I thought he looked weird, but then I realized that they, the CG was to make him look like Muppet Yoda, which was an oh, awesome yes. decision. Like at first I was like, why does he look weird? And then it was like, oh, because he, like he looks like a Muppet. He looks like a Muppet. That's awesome. Yes. That's I heard that they actually did use a puppet. Sweet. Yeah, and I would believe that because it moved like a puppet. Everything was, was so awesome. puppet about it. Love and it. I didn't know that was coming. That threw, caught me off guard, and I was so happy to see him. I, I yeah, I, I had a, I think I, had a uh, I got a prediction that. check mark on that one, didn't I? I didn't I say Force Ghosts on the island? Well, yeah, we were expecting Force Ghosts, but we didn't know who we were going to get. I thought they'd really surprise us, and maybe like Qui-Gon would show up would be kind of cool. But a Force Ghost that interacted with the physical world is what I specifically said. Yeah, and that was awesome. Even showing ability use the still use the force while being part of it. Yeah, and showing a power we didn't ever see before. Do the did the books put themselves in Finn's locker 
or like, or did Luke go and save them before the tree burnt them down? So it's possible yeah. Ray had gotten them out of there, and Luke didn't know that Ray had them. And Yoda didn't know. Mm, I don't know. Well, yeah, who says Yoda would have known? Yoda, you know, Yoda, as far as we know, never appeared to Ray or never paid attention to Ray so much. Yeah, but he has an omnipresence about him, you know. Oh, but he's he's Yoda. He's not God, so <laughs> he doesn't know everything. He's sure, just, but he's just very I think wise. He could, he could know if some books were in a in a tree or not. Yeah, which might be why he had no problem with blowing that tree down. You know, it's just like ah, the books are God. Ray already knows the books. That's probably why he said that. He probably knew that she got it. That could be too. Um, well, I I just really yeah. like the characterization that they gave to Yoda in this. He's not yeah. the Yoda at the end of the Republic. He is the Yoda, you know, that had been exiled on Dagobah. He's the yeah. one who mm-hmm. knew that he could poke fun at Luke. And, yeah, you know, so much strong Dagobah Im- imagery too. Uh, oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, uh, super cool. And they did have the Force Tree, so the Force Tree was there. So that's cool. Yeah, although they seem to imply that that tree had been on that island for who knows how long, even before, yeah. and maybe it was a place for the books. Yeah, like, it was part of this ancient thing. Yeah, which is which is weird, but we still got a forest tree, which was kind of cool. Yeah, we um, still got a forest tree. It was very, very cool. Which makes me th- really think that the cave that um, that Luke goes into in Dagobah was also a forest tree, but, it like, could it just, be. you know, just more cave, cave-esque, more, maybe, you know, more uh, mineral buildup inside of it. Yeah. Um, and what do you all think of the meaning be- with Ray's cave experience with seeing the multiple reflections? And when she she asks to see her parents and she sees herself, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the meaning that she's not identified by who her parents were, but who she has become on her own. That's, that's kind of the meaning I was getting. What do you all think? If she is potentially the actual chosen one, the one that is truly born from the force, then everyone would be her parents. Well, you know, because we could deduce that Anakin's birth was more manipulated and he wasn't Mm -hmm. the chosen one particularly, even though he did bring balance to the Force. Maybe Um, she was an actual weird, rare occurrence that just the Force did on its own. But Rey brings balance to the Force just as much as Anakin did, um, literally by being the counter to Kylo Ren, which Snoke talks about. Um, but also being the being the driving force for Luke kill, killing himself uh, and removing yeah. all as the presence of the the old order. Yeah. Which the word you're looking for a sacrifice. <laughs> killing yourself sounds like suicide, but no, that was sacrifice for uh, the greater it was, good. It was pretty much suicide because he yeah. could have just gone to the planet instead and not died, but. You know, he well, chose but it survive. wouldn't have fulfilled the purpose for what he did there because he could have showed up at his X-Wing and just joined the fight. But the way he showed up there, knowing he could be the distraction to let his friends yeah. get away, mm-hmm. I think that was his purpose. Yeah. And he found his peace. He completed his hero's journey completely to become the full master at the end, to completely vanish and and become totally. one with the Force. Totally. That was beautifully done. I, and yep. Even with a binary sunset. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my little Star Wars totally. geek heart yeah. was just no, going. Oh. It was, it was perfect. It was, it was, it was really good. I like Luke's arc very much, so I really loved it. Um, very happy with that. I was a little disappointed the Knights of Ren completely fallen off the face of the map. <laughs> like we're, <laughs> like, you know, um, the Praetorian guards were really cool. I, oh my God, Don't Kylo that, Ren and Ray fight. fighting together. It was oh like my goodness. I leaned over. I'm like, I'm nerdgasming. Yes, <laughs> totally. Oh. 
Because, I mean, really, this movie had a lot of elements from The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi all thrown together, mm-hmm. except for the, the twist of Kylo Ren doesn't turn back to the good side. He's like, no, I actually want you to join me, and I thank you for... It's pretty much like, thank you for helping me get rid of Snoke and all these guys. I'm going to take this throne. I'm now Supreme Commander of the First Order. Join me. Together, we can rule the galaxy. Oh, look, Empire again. Yeah. I, I do actually think that if... If we're saying that The Force Awakens is a reboot of the original trilogy style, that I kind of felt that The Last Jedi was a reboot of the prequel style. And a little so bit. much like just with the the animals and the interaction of the animals and the environment and the casino and and the hacker and things like that. You know, like it was very much prequel esque in that and even just the feel, I kinda got more of a shiny feel um from a lot of it. I do think there was a bit of a missed opportunity to have some pod racing going on on that circuit track, though. Anybody else? Like, as soon as I yes. saw that we're going to, I was like, oh, my God, pod racing! Because we all like pod racing. Like, that was, we're not anti-pod racers. Um, I think that's more of the huts really like that, I guess. I, well, there was quite an audience on Tatooine, so. Right. Um, that's true. I, I also thought it was strange cool. that if the film took place right after the force awakens which it does mm-hmm. how how are the first order in charge of the galaxy all of a sudden like because they blew out the republic and apparently they were more powerful than we ever thought they were but uh, start, they were able to take military control their base was destroyed as well <laughs> like well, they lost and they don't seem to have another base well, clearly they have a giant dreadnought, and more than one. They also have a huge ship where Snoke actually is. So, yeah, yeah the ships. For, well, not anymore, but those ships. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> those ships are super cool for sure. Mm-hmm. But that, but you would need to actually control the galaxy. You know what I mean? Like In military had, might is really what you need. No, but you yeah. would need at least a dreadnought per ship, like per planet. You know, like they might have the, the first. No, the first order is nowhere close to the empire. And even the empire had a hard time managing the beginning of a, a new hope. They're, they're discussing like, oh, you can't get rid of the um, the leaders for the the uh, the Senate because we need to be able to leverage the leaders from each planet. And they're like, no, we have fear now. But they don't have fear. They don't like they don't have a star killer base. They don't have a Death Star. So I don't know how they go from not controlling the the, the galaxy to yes, the government is gone. Yes, I understand that. But to being in control, I don't know if that's true at all. I think it's the fear thing again because uh, really the Republic probably didn't have much of a military force at this point except for a resistance that was put together when they realized the remnants of the Empire were still around there and created this First Order. So I think there's that dread of seeing the Republic government gone that would drive the fear into the people of what the First Order is capable of. And we even see from Finn uh, in the first film, he's completely terrified of the First Order. He's like, you don't know these people. They're they're going to wipe us all out. They do yeah. have the might. So there is still that fear that they managed to generate. But sure. I do like this answers the question because like in uh, in the first film, all right, the Death Star is destroyed, but the Empire still knew about the Yavin base. So I love the way that this begins. Like, okay, well, the First Order may have just lost their uh, their prime weapon, but they still know where the Resistance are based at. Yeah, yeah, yeah So yeah, yeah. it made sense that like, yeah, they're going straight there to launch the attack to try to finish the job. I was like, thank you for actually doing something that makes sense because I still would love to see something that picks up right after the Death Star's destruction, right after they do this this medal ceremony. You know, the rebels had to pack their stuff up and get the heck off of there. 
Yeah. Do you, did you have any issues with Holdo's acting performance? I really didn't like her until near the end. I thought maybe she was going to be the one that was allowing the First Order to track them because she just seemed, I just didn't trust her. Okay, as a character, sure, you, you might not like her, but what about the acting performance? Because I kind of just, I don't know, something about the acting, it just, I don't know. Felt a little phoned in? Yeah, well, a little bit, not, I suppose. Not phoned in. I would more put it towards, like, Carrie Fisher's acting. Like, Carrie Fisher is doing a very admirable job in her performances, but when you kind of put her next to, like, Harrison Ford and stuff like that, like... It's not quite there, right? She hasn't been acting at that same level that Harrison Ford had been acting for for the whole period of time. So in The Force Awakens, there's kind of some awkwardness in her voice or the way she delivers her lines or some of her believability and some of her commitment. This was weird seeing Laura Dern, really, I guess. It was like too recognizable of a face, for, you know, like I, I think that was unnecessary almost. It was almost a distraction. I don't know. Well, you could probably say that about Benicio Del Toro, but I was still excited to see him in there because I knew he was going to pop up. And when he finally showed up, I was like, there he is. OK, so at first I was like, because uh, he kind of seemed exactly like the collector, like right for like a brief moment, for a very brief moment. When you first meet him, he kind of has the collector voice on. And and if when you rewatch it, just you'll notice that right like the very, very first moment, the first couple lines, very much a collector voice. And he has a bit of the stutter, but after that though i'm totally fine with his character i, I really liked his character yeah he was very cool I, although rose, i have expected rose rose and finn was so great oh. like they're the ones being the, the they're spreading the spark of the rebellion i do mm-hmm. think it was a little layered on thick with the little stupid kid sweeping but other than that <laughs> i um yeah. uh yeah i i, 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 I really I, was actually hoping the uh the code breaker was going to be lando I thought it was gonna be Lando too when they mm-hmm. said when they said the I, that's so funny I was when they said the red um um like the, the flower red, thing the red flower <laughs> uh, I was like oh it's gonna be Lando mm-hmm. it's gonna be Lando oh my god it's gonna be Lando because we know he's a bit of a programmer because he he mm-hmm. programs Lobot right right mm-hmm. um so uh, you know I think that was a bit of a missed opportunity yeah but it, it still gave us a good character. No, because yeah, no, because you had the programmer was nobody. I'm right? sure he'll be back. Like it could, it could, maybe because it could have been, it could have been Lando in that moment. Yeah, but, I, I but do. that would have that, that. I think that would have uh, tied Lando more into you know everything else going on with, with Cantobite, knowing that uh, these people that were there, these aliens and everyone, were involved with selling weapons to yeah the First Order. Yeah, you know, which kind of would. You know, Lando's had his redemptive moment. Uh, do you yeah. really want to go put him back and become that shifty? But you know, they did it with Han Solo. Motivation. They did it with Han Solo. Yeah, it went back to being a smuggler, but that's yeah, not once, really once like the being rebellion part of the was done. So. Once the rebellion was done, they went back to doing what they knew how to do. Yeah, and Lando could have been there not as a war profiteer, but as kind a of spy. working underground like a spy. Yeah, kind of doing his own things to kind of undermine the First Order. Then um, Maz Kanata wouldn't have known it was him. You know what I mean? Like that wouldn't have been her guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, actually, you know what? Lando totally should have been her guy because Han Solo and Chewie are her guys. Yeah. You know? like, uh... So it would have made sense for Lando, but I like getting new mm-hmm. characters. Sure. Because yeah, I've enjoyed yeah. it. Because like Rose was a brand new character, but by the end, we really love that character. She was so great. I do hope there's no love interest. To be honest, just because I hope there's no love interest for anybody. 
because I think they've gone two films with real no with no real love interest except for Finn a bit crushing on Ray, um, and and you did have uh, Ray give a bit of a jealous look, but I think it's really important not to have conflict between women over a man in this film. I don't know. That wasn't a jealous look. She seemed kind of happy about it because did you notice they look between her and Poe? Like when they first kind of meet and introduce, she kind of has that, ooh, he's a nice looking fella. A lot of people said that. Well, that's because <laughs> that's he what I is, got. you know, he's charming. But you can, you know, I'm sure all of our wives think there's other handsome men out there. So you know, <laughs> yeah. my, my wife did like the uh, shirtless Kylo Ren moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I like the way that she's like, could you put a shirt on? <laughs> I love the I love the link connection between the two of them. I thought that oh, was yes. great. Yeah. I, th- I really did think that was going to be where we're going to have that landed connection of them being related. Uh, and I'm, I'm still holding out hope because I don't know that Kylo Ren told her the truth. And he says, oh, yeah. well, you know, no. your parents were just people that sold you for alcohol. Yeah. Okay. Thank I don't you. believe him. Thank you. Thank you. So I'm actually, right after we're done, I'm recording a video about this. Because <laughs> the way they present... So one of the complaints that people are having on the internet about The Last Jedi, because The Last Jedi is about destroying the establishment and getting rid of the old and bringing in the new. I, I, I think that the way they kind of stomped on a lot of plot points that were supposed to carry over from The Force Awakens, like Snoke. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, like that the Knights surprising. of Ren, like, yeah. like the lightsaber. Um, like every, like to be honest, it kind of actually made me feel like Ryan Johnson didn't like The Force Awakens the way he was about the, a lot of The Force Awakens plot lines. What they did is they were able to mask this reveal that we accept because it was presented the same way all the other things had been presented that were true, and that is the her parents. And and it is it's even on theme to the film. The film is being like, hey, look, there's going to be force users all around. Like the balance is that like basically everybody's going to have the force is basically the balance of the force. Um, and anybody can be special. And the and the like, you know, and that that's kind of this whole theme. And and that's the per- that's the perfect way to mask it. Just like in um, the arrival, how the film makes you think that the story is being told linear through filmmaking. It's tricking you through the film. I think they're doing the same thing with this. Ryan Johnson is, has made great films before. I do think this film was a little bit too big for him, but, um, and, and so I feel like that, that one in particular is the one that we've accepted it. And because all the characters accepted it and it was presented in the same way, all the other plots were presented or completed, but it, it, that's how you get the best reveal is to make us think the answer's already been given. Otherwise, there will be no twists in the final movie, which is going to not be true. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? I'm like, sure because there were so many twists in this one. I'm sure J.J. Yeah. Abrams can twist us even more it, to surprise yeah. us. Because exactly. really, this was this just like how the Empire Strikes Back was character development, where we learned so much more about the characters uh, and Return of the Jedi is like the summation of taking all that all that stuff we learned about him and then taking it to fruition. This, I feel like we developed characters. We learned so much more about Kylo Ren, and we saw him really in his own journey truly becoming the new Darth Vader that mm-hmm. Snoke wanted yeah. him to become. But in order to do it, he had to take out Snoke and take command of everything himself <laughs> yeah, yeah. and really unleash. You got to love Luke trying to be like, seem like he like, oh, this is just a bad moment. You know, I just was going to murder this kid I've been teaching this whole time. And it was just a bad second. <laughs> it's like, um, you still stood him with a lightsaber turned on. Yeah. Like, no wonder he's mad. <laughs> you had that brief moment of thinking, oh, I, 
you know, but that's, I should murder this person. That's that thing where they, they had the, you know, they always ask, well, if you could go back in time and murder Hitler as a child before he did anything, would you do it? He was in that same thing. He saw what Kylo Ren was going to become. And for that moment, he thought, I I could stop this right yeah, now, murder Hitler. but yeah. but I can't I can't just murder him. And he has that second thought, but it's too late. By the time he has a second thought, Kylo sees him and uh oh, yeah. <laughs> Well, and also too, like that's like that's a really it, that's a tough one with that question, right? Because those thought exercises, those are tough, and yes. and so it's funny that we do kind of you do still relate to Luke in that moment. You're yeah. like, oh, that does that does, but really we shouldn't, because like we none of us have been in that situation. <laughs> like none of us have like Hopefully been looming not. over yeah. like our child being like. Hmm. Well, if I just murder him, I'm going to avoid a lot of. <laughs> yeah, it's still pretty. Like you're still pretty much a jerk there, Luke. Like yeah. you're still. Um, but it makes sense that like that that being the truth is is um a big part of what what's eating him up inside. I really truly wish he had told the truth. To be honest, that means he was still hiding it a lot. Well, I think what we're seeing here in that hero's journey, this is the part where you doubt everything you were ever taught. Yes, yeah, that's true. That's, that's true. exactly where Luke is in most of this thing. He has now thrown away what he's taught. He has to rediscover the truth of it completely on his own and re- really become the master after he's walked away from that doubt area that you walk into. And that's that's like a, even a part of growing up sometimes where you, you have to question everything that you were taught to see if it really holds true. And yeah. he, he really goes through that journey because uh, he has everything to doubt and he fails and stuff like that. Like that. It's wow. It was great. Why did he leave a map? If it's like, if you ever need help, I'm going to use a map that only a force sensitive person's going to be able to find. And, uh, and like R2 will wake up at a certain time if you need me. And then they do it. And he's like, no, like, I don't, I don't really did. He, I guess when he left, he had a different intention. And now that he's been there dwelling, he's changed his mind. Yeah, that is kind of weird. They haven't explained that map, how it came to exist. It seemed like it was a plot device, really, in The the Force Awakens that they didn't think they'd have to explain. But now it seems like Luke really didn't want to be found. So why, how did this map come into existence? That is a good question. Yeah. 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 Um, maybe J.J. Abrams will, will explain it. Or maybe we won't care so much by then. Because I'm, I'm not that fussed about it, but it is an interesting question. Yeah. Well, the, the, I think the the int- most interesting thing that the uh, this movie has left us with is that we literally have no idea what's about to happen next now. Exactly. No. <laughs> I love that because we don't even really understand where did Snoke come from because – yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even see theories that we could generate. Yeah, Snoke was like, like so powerful that I want to know, like, who was he really? Was he really Plagueis? Because he does have that all those scars and torn up, and he was so powerful. He was yeah. scary, and he reminded me of Palpatine. In fact, there was a little bit of Palpatine's music came in. Yeah, and well, it, I, wow, he even made he even made me feel like he was so like they made me feel like he was so clever. Like his force ability was knowing. Um, you know, was basically being infallible, mm-hmm. right? Like that's what he—he's even saying that went right before he dies. It's like his force ability is just to know everybody's motives, that, almost <laughs> like for not a, understanding like, what Kylo Ren's intention but like, was. But, but, <laughs> but, oh, but <laughs> well, no, that's the whole thing, right? Like that—that that theme comes up every time with every bad guy, right? Yeah. Same with Hux and same with Captain Phasma. Mm-hmm. Um, it—it's it, one of those things where you're like. With like you almost, I almost was like, how are they ever going to defeat Snoke? And yes, um, 
and it it almost seemed like maybe he was even manipulating the emperor you know like because he like he just seemed like this like be beyond anybody he just knew it all mm-hmm. and then he didn't <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i'd almost wouldn't wonder if he's gonna pull a darth maul and that's okay if i got cut away from the midsection i find a way to have cybernetic legs and i can survive because the force will sustain me uh, I don't know. I, I don't think that, here, that the difference shot is, of his tongue lolling showed, out of his mouth. Yeah. Uh, I know. I was kidding. <laughs> the difference is you showed his dead body. Right. Exactly. And that's why Phasma could come back. Because you never, like, if you never see a dead body, you never can be certain. Well, she did fall out into space, and that armor, though, might protect her. I mean, I the only reason we know that got a hole in it. Yeah, it did. Uh, but it Leia was able to because the Force was able to save herself. Uh, Phasma don't you know didn't seem to have that connection to the Force. She just had some pretty good armor with a hole in it. So I think Phasma's pretty much dead into the vacuum of space out there with Admiral yep. Akbar. But we don't know. Yeah, it would be surprising if she came back, and boy would she be ticked. Because yeah. I you know I. I still feel like Phasma is the Boba Fett of this trilogy, where we expected so much and we got so little. Yeah, I would agree. So, I, for me, I feel like the the only way the last movie can end is that Kylo Ren and Rey die and bring true balance to the Force, right? Nah, <laughs> that would be terrible. I'd hate it for Rey to die. I like Rey. <laughs> sure, but how else do you bring balance to the Force? She can't win. She can't win over Kylo yeah, Ren because then there'll be no balance. Then the, then the light side is more stronger than the dark. I don't, I don't know. That would be interesting because you do kind of have to deal with that now because you know we have that whole scene where Luke is showing it's like okay, so you feel this balance right here. With the it's like you have death, but death is what brings forth life, and you have the cycle thing. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Maybe Ray has to win, but then the cycle has to begin again, and eventually the dark side has to rise again, and then the the light has to come back. So you know, it's it's the balance of good and evil. One has to one exists to defeat the other, but the other one that must exist in order for the other to really come up. It's like I had a philosophy teacher back uh, a long time ago who's like, "Well, let's say we had a world where no evil things had ever happened. When somebody kills a child, would we have to have good in order to know what that's evil?" And I said, well, what my answer was, like, well, we might not have had known or even had good, but now that we've seen evil, good happens when we go and prevent this from ever happening again. Good exists to stop evil. Uh, sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. not in real life all the time. But <laughs> yeah, sometimes <laughs> it stories, seems evil yeah. prevails. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But we, whenever yeah. we see evil in the world, good men take action to try to stop it. But only in movies are the battle, do you know who the bad guys really are in a film? In life, you, sometimes it's really hard to know who the bad guy is. Sometimes you call someone the bad guy just because you disagree. You only know the bad guys when they show up and start killing multiple people. Those are clearly the bad guys. That's why, yeah. I like, at least in movie, in fantasy, but, you definitely have that clear line. And that's, I think we need that, that escapism in a film like this. Because it, there's no, the only gray area is the force being neutral. But the actions of the characters, we can tell, it, we know clearly who is the hero and who is the villain. Yeah. There, is do you do in that's a, that's the one thing I'll Star Wars I think that the, Star Wars is talking about a very current situation that we're in Star Wars is very like is very um anti old men um and I do think that again is why the who the people who aren't liking the force awakens they don't know it necessarily uh but the things that rub them the wrong way it, it's because it's talking about 
giving everything over to the newer generation that this old, the old generation before you is the one screwing it up and you're just tr- and we're trying to take over and and be in charge of the thing that they created but really we should be creating our own new things and that's what the last jedi is even trying to say and do it's being a new star wars film it's trying to do its own new thing it's killing snoke it's killing han it's killing luke it's killing the old guard it, it is burn it down don't let it exist don't like stop the cycle of hate and violence and tyranny and uh like even kylo ren you can't say kylo ren's clearly the bad guy in this story he's not even on board with the first order he is just a man using his means to get his goals well or is he not seeking to control the galaxy and rule it himself he, de- he does now declare himself supreme leader. He is now the head of the First Order. He has clearly wants the rule and control. And th- that is one thing that's different between, like, the First Order. It, the First Order is we're bringing the old down because, all right, I'm going to get rid of Snoke and this is mine now. Yet in the, the Resistance, there's more of a passing of the torch. Like, okay, we've carried this long. It's your your time now. But at, you know, at the same time, we do see where Poe leads his little group the younger group, and he goes against the establishment and messes everything up because he doesn't understand what the old establishment was doing. And, you know, it's not until Leia tries to explain to him, here's what's going on, and you weren't privy to this. So well, you it, should, I should have been because I'm like the third in command. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? he got like, demoted, though, because this must mess yeah, up the yeah, cost yeah, lives. Yeah, yeah. So you've yeah, got you've got a balance there between you know passing the torch and slowly bringing up a younger generation behind you and the, like the first order's method of you know let's wipe out the old way and I'm bringing in my new order because this is the way I want it. So there's there is there is a little bit of what you're talking about, but that's a little more the first order way of destroying the old. While in the resistance, we're seeing a passing of the torch. We're bringing up the new generation. We're we're teaching a new Jedi. I, I love that bit there at the end where Luke is like, "I will not be the last Jedi." He did pass on some knowledge to Ray, and Ray is very powerful and learning even on her own. Apparently, does seem to have those books. So there is yeah. a new generation, but yeah, there, there's a difference between passing the torch on and wanton destruction, so I can rise to power for my own goals. And we do see a clear difference between a good and evil on how things are passed along. While Hero would would well, we're, we're carrying the torch, we're passing the torch to a new generation, and I'm violently wiping out everything in front of me. There is a definite hero and villain. I don't know. I think they've made it. They've blended it a little bit more than that. I don't. I don't think you can say Kylo Ren. He doesn't even like kill his mom. You know. Like yeah, he, the hesitation was interesting. Um, and he he isn't trying to be on his own. He like, why would he want Ray around? He seems to be doing fine on his own. Like, why would you kill Snoke? Really, really? Like at the end of like, why for Ray? What do no, you? Because Ray loves company. Yeah, because Snoke was in the way of his own goals, and Ray though joining the way Ray could join with him, he felt like he'd be more powerful. And I think there is part of him that kind of cares about Ray and kind of maybe a little bit of a crush, a little bit of an attraction there. Because, you know, being more of that dark side, he can give in to his passions. You know, he's not living the Jedi celibacy way. He's like, hey, she's not bad looking and she's powerful. We can be stronger together than than separate. But, you know, Snoke is in the way of my goal so I can kill Snoke and then I can rule the galaxy my own way. 
Although, uh, so who was it? Well, I think it was my buddy Philip was talking about, you know, when, when Ray and, and Kylo Ren are pulling on the light and Luke's lightsaber, why didn't uh, Ray just trigger the switch with the force on the lightsaber? Because the pointy end was definitely toward Kylo and then give the, give the lightsaber a push right into Kylo Ren and finish the job. Well, I think we already saw one really good lightsaber uh, flicking flicker on opportunity. Yeah. Very well placed one. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that doesn't. I mean, that is something I have to question. I was like, Ray, maybe just Ray hadn't thought of it. It's like you know, all you had to do is turn that lightsaber on, and it's pointed right at Kylo. You could end this thing right there. But you know, she's young. She doesn't think it out. She right now, she's just in the heat of moment. Like I need to get the lightsaber before he gets it. And there was another lightsaber in the room that nobody remembered. Kylo Ren's lightsaber is still somewhere in the room. Why did nobody make a move for that? Maybe because of the symbolism of Luke's lightsaber. Maybe. Because Kylo Ren, we do, do know, really wanted Luke's lightsaber in The Force Awakens. even tells Finn, that belongs to me. He really wanted it. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash Neverland Podcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.